Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Co-Main Event Podcast, and now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dundas. That's right, you're listening to another episode of the Co-Main Event Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Chad Dundas, that's Ben Folks. We're both longtime MMA journalists, and for the last 10 years, we've been meeting here every week to break down all the action in the wild, weird, and occasionally wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Ben, it was another jam-packed weekend of fights. It seems like every weekend is jam-packed these days, what with all of the various fight promotions that we've got competing for our attentions, the UFC, 1FC all in action over the weekend. And now, as we sit here, we're rolling into UFC 282 Fight Week. Crazy how these things creep up on us these days. So today on the show, we're obviously going to talk about Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland in the main event of this UFC on ESPN event from over the weekend. We'll look ahead a little bit to UFC 282 and the scrambled light heavyweight main event there. And uh, I guess we will spare some time to talk about the trials and tribulations of James Krause, who, uh, as one of our patrons over on the Discord last week quipped, has pretty much in record time gone from being a respected guy that we all thought of as like an underrated fighter and coach. And now when his name comes up, everybody's just pretty much a guy. Oh, this fucking guy, this fucking guy, James Krause. So ruined uh, it for everybody. We'll talk about that. But how you doing? How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good uh, until I roll up in here getting excited for UFC 282 fight week. And oh, we already lost one. Yeah, it just it's Monday, Chad, Monday. I'll be real honest. I had the Wikipedia page open here in one of my tabs on my screen as we record this and it just disappeared. <laughs> they just Robbie snatched it away from you. Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio just disappeared from the main card of UFC 282, Robbie Lawler reportedly out with an injury. So we're already losing them. They're already dropping here. It's a weird time to be out with an injury Monday, a fight week. I mean, who knows exactly what the UFC was told and when and how long it took from that to get to this point where we were told the fight is off. But then to have to go turn around and at least the last update I saw was that the UFC was looking for a replacement. Again, I say to you, it is Monday. Yeah. It is Monday, a fight week. And we're going to be like, hey, just calling around, seeing who wants to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio this weekend. Are you busy Saturday? 
who's at the performance center right now? Mm-hmm. That's what we're asking. Uh, when you drop out of a fight Monday of fight week, and I have no insider knowledge about what this quote unquote undisclosed injury was that has forced Robbie Lawler off the UFC 282 card. But when you drop out Monday of fight week, that tells me uh, you were going to take the weekend. Yeah. And you were really hoping that the knee would feel better on Monday or that the mm-hmm. shoulder was going to feel better on Monday. And lo and behold, did not, you did not regrow your meniscus over the weekend. And so uh, time to pull out of the fight. I mean, sometimes you want to sleep on it, right? You want to get a good night's sleep, see how you feel in the morning. Maybe your ligaments will reattach themselves and uh, you'll feel good to go. We've all, done- hey, haven't you ever gone to bed? feeling like crap, wake up the next morning feeling a little less like crap. Maybe that's what Robbie Lawler's hoping for. You also got to figure it probably takes some doing to convince Robbie Lawler to pull out of a fight, even at this late stage of his career. I remember doing a story once where I talked to Matt Hughes, who was saying how he once had to convince Robbie Lawler that no, you probably can't just push through this torn bicep and go on in there and fight this guy. And Robbie was like, I don't know, man. I really feel like I can. I don't think it'll be that big of an issue. And he was like, Robbie, your bicep has detached from your arm, the arm bone. It's not it's not touching it anymore. You're, gonna, you're probably going to have to get that looked at. Yeah. Biceps connected to the arm bone, as they say. Arm bone is connected to the brain bone in some cases. Uh, You know what? I don't want to lay it all on Robbie Lawler either because we've heard about this happening before. Maybe he did tell the UFC a while back and the UFC was like, you know what? You just keep us posted. Mm -hmm. We're going to we're going to put out some posters and some press releases. You just let us know how you feel as we get closer to the date. That's not unheard of. So I don't want to sit here and make it seem like, you know, this is this is definitely all. Lawler's doing you know there's a lot it's a potentially a lot of different factors at play here you know what I saw on the Twitter machine who has already jumped on there to volunteer to step in it's Brian Barbarina okay as in the same Brian Barbarina who just fought on Saturday against Rafael Dos Anjos but he pointed out hey I didn't really get messed up or anything in the fight just got taken down controlled and then choked so I'm good to go could turn right around which you know what that's the kind of guy who goes swinging onto the deck of your ship with a knife in his teeth right there. Absolutely. I, you know what? I enjoy it. If he's good to go, let's get him in there. If he's not, then find the same priest that top, talked Robbie Lawler out of going to UFC 282 and have him sit down with Brian Barberina too. Being like, Brian, you're not in any shape to do this, bud. My son, listen to a, my wise counsel. It's not in the Lord's plan right now, Brian. Remember, you're listening to the co-main event podcast proper. This show drops every Monday afternoon for free in your timelines and podcast libraries. And have we told you that we just launched a new merchandise site? Well, we did. You can go over to comainevent.com and click the link at the top of the page that says shop. There you will find old favorites like the original Dundasso t-shirt designs, the old school cowboy astronaut cigarettes merch. You can also find a lot of cool new stuff like the brand new Are You Fucking Kidding Me shirts. Ben Folks has mo- You have an Are You Fucking Kidding Me shirt for every day of the week, it seems like, over there these days. You know what? I'm just going to be totally honest with you. This is no bullshit. This is not me even trying to give you a sales pitch. But that Dundasso sweatshirt is the most comfortable sweatshirt I own now. And... Here we are in winter, and I'm a fellow who works from home. There is a danger that if I'm not careful, 
that it'll just be what I wear every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out there shoveling snow in it. I'm kicking around the house in it. It's the the underlayer to uh underneath a big jacket when I have to go outside when it's really cold and it's just it wraps you up like a mother's warm hug. Yeah, it's like a warm embrace, the Dundasso. Mm-hmm. Plus it just confuses the hell out of people. They look at it, they don't know exactly what to make of it, but if you know, you know. Yeah, you know what we've been selling a lot of actually right here before Christmas are the daddest man on the planet coffee mugs that we have yep. available over there. If you got a dad, a brother, an uncle who's hard to buy for, and they are in fact somebody's dad, roll over to the co-main event podcast shop and get them one of these daddest man on the planet coffee mugs. It doesn't hurt if they're a big fan of Daniel Cormier, but I don't think they have to be. I don't think they have to be. You could just get your dad, a daddest man on the planet coffee mug and your, your Christmas shopping is done basically. Yeah. Just kick up your heels at that point. You know what? What if they're not a dad, Chad? What if they're just a daddy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. Still works. Still works, I guess. Still works. You think about that. Think about that in your off hours. If you have a dad or just a big daddy, uh, head over to the co-main event shop. Check us out over there. Remember, we launched that with our friends at Studio Superconductor. They are a design studio out of Portland, Oregon. If you uh, have any design needs, we suggest you check them out. You can hit them up at studiosuperconductor.com or on Instagram at Studio Superconductor. Remember, if you want to support the show in an ongoing way, you can sign up for our Patreon service over at patreon.com slash co-main event. We have four handy tiers of patronage over there available to almost every budget uh you get all kinds of content more content frankly than you could probably ever consume although i've heard some people do it you got the wednesday live chat thursdays doing the damn thing the friday power hour discussion ongoing at the co-main event podcast official discord server people are over there all the time chopping it up on any number of topics not just fighting go over there and uh you know i i asked people on there today what how they're going to tell their kids there's no santa claus True story. Learn it on the streets. What I'm going to do. My kids are already learning it on the streets. That's why I asked this morning. I I got a ping just recently uh, on fight night on Saturday where it was like, oh, somebody has mentioned you in the UFC betting chat. And I went, you know what? (laughs) No, thank you. Not at this time. You didn't think it was a note of congratulations? I didn't think it was anybody being like, another week of great picks by Ben Folks. But then... (laughs) My main event pick, Cash Crickets. Yeah. Didn't yeah. hear shit from the Discord at that point. Yeah. Well, hey, if you're out there looking for a, a cool community to talk fights with, you can find it over at the Co-Main Event Podcast official Discord server. To get in, you just got to join the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash co-main event and join the team at any one of our handy tiers of patronage. We got music this week from our guys Four in Cash. Of course, that's C-A-C-H-E in the word Cash, an L.A.-based production duo. If you like from what you hear from them on the show, you can check out more of their stuff over at foreigncash.bandcamp.com or soundcloud.com slash foreigncash. Again, C-A-C-H-E in cash. Three rounds, as usual this week, in the co-main event podcast now, see, I forgot I was going to do this. I had this written down for round number one. I should have practiced it, but I forgot. I forgot that, that I penciled myself in for this, Ben. It's going to be good. In round number in round number one, Wonder Man, what is the secret of your powers? And in round number two, <laughs> new version of UFC 282 just dropped. Rumor is it was just too hot. So the FCC had to step in to tone things down. 
And in round number three, James Krause, what you doing, baby? All that, plus are you fucking kidding me and just saying stuff? But first, like we always do about this time, let's do a little bit of listener mail. Listener mail. You know what? I thought that went okay with the singing. I think you really knocked it out of the park, honestly. I I totally forgot I was supposed to do that. Didn't warm up in the bathroom or anything. And here we are. You hit the long sustained note there. I, I appreciate it. This week's listener mail is once again brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN is one of our favorite online products right now. I use it on all my devices. I know Ben Folks does too. It's super fast. It's easy to use. Even I can figure it out, which is saying something. NordVPN will give you the peace of mind and knowing that all your personal information is safe online, whether you're using the internet at home or traveling uh, around, just running around town, having your phone bounce from public Wi-Fi to public Wi-Fi. Ben, what's your favorite thing about NordVPN? Well, you know it's that ability to kick right on when I'm on public Wi-Fi, bouncing to public Wi-Fi. These days, Chad, everywhere got their own public Wi-Fi. I'm walking in there to the haberdashery, they got one. I'm walking over there to delivery, they got one. I'm at the the printers, getting some goods printed up. You know they got a public Wi-Fi. If I want to get on there, NordVPN comes right to my aid. I don't even have to think about it. Keeps me protected. I love it. We've been telling you about the NordVPN security bundle. NordVPN has three easy options for how to use it. You can get the standard plan for your basic VPN needs. You can get the plus plan if you need a little something extra. And if you want to go for the big dog, if you want to go whole hog, you can get the complete plan, which will take care of your every need. Enjoy the leading VPN service and malware blocker. Generate and store strong passwords. Protect files in an encrypted cloud. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash comain or use the code comain to get one free bonus month as well as their exclusive 30-day money-back guarantee. First question this week comes to us from our guy, Pissed Off Lawyer, over on Twitter. He writes, As a man of a certain age, who has been closely following this sport for almost 20 years now, I can't help but root for veteran fighters at the tail end of their careers, even though I know that I'll be disappointed more often than not. But that wasn't the case on Saturday. Clay Guida scored a win after what seems like 50 fights in the UFC. Michael Johnson and Angela Hill had their hands raised before the night was over. RDA and Wonder Man both put on vintage performances and were victorious. Please discourse. You know what, folks? Uh, this was one for the for the old heads. This was one uh, let's, for our peers, let's say. People yeah. in our general age bracket could have tuned into this UFC on ESPN event and seen a number of fighters we remember from what you might call back in the day go out here and 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 nab victories, be successful. It was great. Yeah, uh, are you going to read this other one from Matt Webb about oh, Clay Weeder? Right. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, one yeah. really puts some shit in perspective for me. Good. Yeah, I did mean to read these two together. We got this one from Matt Webb, who writes, Clay Guida started fighting professionally when I was eight years old. He just, (laughs) thanks for making us all feel old here at the co-main event podcast, Matt Webb. He just won another pro MMA fight and I'm 28 years old. I have gone through elementary school, middle school, high school, college, got married and started a career that I've been in for six years. Holy shit. Discourse. (laughs) I mean, that does put it in perspective, right? This, people are out here living entire damn lives, transitioning from child to adult, to established adult with with uh, a marriage and a career in the span of Clay Guida's MMA career. And who knows how much longer it could go? Not necessarily done yet. I mean, 
that that does really put it in perspective. Am I reading this correct? That Clay Guida has an even 60 fights? I mean, that's, for one thing, it it is nice to reach an even number. Clay Guida is 38 and 22 overall in his professional MMA career, which is officially I won more than I lost territory. He got the split decision win over Scott Hot Sauce Holman. Uh, Holtzman on Saturday night and uh, your boy hot sauce 39 years old went out there and retired in the cage after getting beat by Clay Guida Uh, and you know what had happened was you and I both bet on hot sauce Holtzman to win this fight that's on us that is all she wrote Clay Guida Mm -hmm. going out here getting the takedowns uh, looking not done by any stretch of the imagination securing the split decision win here as Matt Webb points out time will make a fool out of all of us but Clay Guida He's still getting them wins, man. You got to love it. You love to see it, as the kids used to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, the CME kiss of death is such that not only can we cause you to lose your fight, we could end your career if we both team up and bet on you. Clay Guida would probably point out, though, that while we sit here thinking that he has an even 60 fights at 38 and 22, I remember doing a story on him where he told me that his first pro fight was is not included on his record and it was at the Sturgis motorcycle rally and he just kind of rolled out there with some friends of his because they were putting up a cage there as part of the ongoing entertainment and he bought some shorts at a Walmart along the way went in there uh fought and won so you know he comes from that era where you're bound to have a few fights that maybe didn't quite make the official record yeah who knows I mean he's got and now he's out there cut the hair Looked like a completely different person almost. And yet still doing Clay Guida shit. And you know what you can say about Clay Guida? Nary an unkind word about that guy for the most part in the mixed martial arts universe. And there are just not very many fighters or people, period, involved in this industry that seem universally liked. You know what's always struck me as a really interesting contradiction about Clay Guida as a person? Is that, especially when you're watching him fight, you're watching him roll up in there. He seems like just a ball of pure energy, like he is incapable of standing still for even a moment. Yeah. And yet also, Clay Guida as a person, incredibly laid back, yeah, very relaxed, you know, just really, really laid back, calm, cool kind of guy. And yet a frenetic energy when he shows up to fight. I have probably told this story before, but it must have been, God, easily 10 years ago now uh, when I was on the road covering the e, the UFC for ESPN and they did an event in Milwaukee and uh, Clay Guida was not fighting at it, but he attended it as many UFC fighters do. And, I, you know, they had like an outdoor weigh-in and uh, it was out at some park at uh, Milwaukee and Clay Guida was there. And man, you would have thought he was a fan at his first UFC event. Because he was out there taking pictures of the fighters as they weighed in, like taking pictures with fighters, taking pictures with fans, just being Mr. Congeniality out here. And it was just like, you could not see Clay Guida having this amazing time at this UFC weigh-in and not just be like, wow, that seems like a, that just seems like a dude who's living life. He's loving life. He's just having a great time. Yeah. Just doing him. Next question this week comes to us from King Shake Pack. Okay. Who writes RIP to the prophecy? Oh, God damn it. See, <laughs> this hits us right where we live. He writes Sergey Pavlovich walked in and out of the octagon in mint condition 
and perhaps a new legitimate title contender. Are you guys also beginning to notice his skills and what has become of Tai Tuivasa? Both of these things are true. Sergei Pavlovich, the 30-year-old Russian heavyweight, 6'3", 255, looks good getting off the bus, has now won five in a row in the UFC. He had defeated Derek Lewis back at UFC 277. But, you know, with Derek Lewis at this stage of his career, you're not quite sure what a win over Derek Lewis means. Then Sergey Pavlovich stalks in there and just beats up Tai Tuivasa in 54 seconds, scores the KO. And at this point, I think you got to look at Sergey Pavlovich and you got to say, that boy pretty good. That boy good. Boy good. Also, you got to look at him and say, looks pretty good getting off the bus. Yes, he does. Like he is a, uh, he's a put together heavyweight there. It's svelte for a heavyweight. And of course, now Tai Tuivasa is only 29 years old. So he's got some living left to do in this heavyweight division if he wants it. And I've been I've been beating this drum for a while now. The UFC needs as much fun shit as it can get, man, yeah. especially in the current landscape of mixed martial arts, as much stuff as we can have around that is fun. We need it. And tied to Ivasa is fun every single time he goes out there. Win, lose, draw, whatever. Tied to Ivasa brings the fun. And I continually get the impression that the UFC either doesn't know or doesn't care what it has in tied to Ivasa when he had run off, what was it? One, two, three, four, five straight wins in this UFC heavyweight division when we dubbed him the prophecy, when we thought he was uh, hell-bent for the for the heavyweight title or an opportunity at the heavyweight title, and then the UFC is like, you know what we'll do? Fight against Cyril Gone. That's what we'll do. And it's just like, what? Really? You're going to take fun-loving, cool guy tied to Ivasa, who everyone likes and would, would watch fight anytime and just flush him down the toilet in a fight against Cyril Gone. And now it seems very much like they've done it in back-to-back appearances with well, Cyril Gone and Sergey Pavlovich. Don't you think that it's because the UFC mainly knows two ways to think about you? Either you're on the come up and you're somebody that might eventually become a challenger for the champion, or you're somebody who has done come up a little bit, people know your name, and therefore you are useful to help us promote somebody else who is better than you. We can throw you into a fight against somebody who will beat you up and people will go, okay, it means something to have beat up that guy. So now we're excited about this guy. And I mean, it kind of works in a lot of situations, but that seems like the the flow chart that the UFC looks at for some of these stuff is pretty simple. And I think that that's what they're doing here. To me, I want to talk to whoever is in Taito Ivasa's ear and in his camp who, after he got knocked out bad in that Cyril Gone fight where he took a ton of damage before he finally succumbed to it. And then the UFC comes in and is like, hey, we'd like you to fight a Russian huge-ass heavyweight killer three months from now. Who said yes to that? You need to take some time after that one, man. You take some time off and let your brain and body heal before you get back in the gym and put yourself through it. And especially before you put your, your career back on the line out there against one of these dudes. That just seems like a bad way to go about it. You should have taken more time. Hopefully, he'll take some time after this one. Because taking those kinds of knockouts from heavyweights back-to-back, three months apart, that's not good for you, man. It's not good for your brain and body. It's also not good for your the state of your career. So that was a bad idea. 
I said so it was a bad idea on Friday to turn around that quickly, and it's definitely a bad idea once you actually see what Sergei Pavlovich went out there and did to him. Also, though, it makes me think on the topic of Sergei, we've talked before about how in the heavyweight division, there seems to be kind of two kinds of divisions. There's the one with like the top three, four guys, and then there's the one with everybody else who can fight each other kind of interchangeably on whatever fight card. Has Sergei Pavlovich is he on the cusp of entering the other heavyweight division with this win? Well, our guy Crispus Attucks wrote to write uh, Pavlovich versus Volkov in Moscow. Winner takes the title of baddest man in the motherland. Please discourse. Uh, and I think that, you know, he's on the verge. He gets a couple more wins like this. Uh, and you could definitely count Sergei Pavlovich among that group. And, you know, we talked about some of the things that he brings to the table. He's clearly a an offensive high octane fighter. He looks good getting off the bus. He's young. You know, he's, he just knocked out tied to Ivasa. I believe he's only got one professional loss. He's 17 and one overall, uh, got TKO'd by Alistair Overeem really early in his UFC career, his UFC debut. In fact, and since then has been pretty money kind of working his way up the ladder of the heavyweights here, all of them first round stoppages. So yeah, the future seems bright for this guy. And if he gets a, a another win or two, put a, put him in the put him on the list, put him in the elite division. Uh, a fun thing I saw is he posted on Twitter a clip after the fight where it's like me and my team after the fight. Where you know they're doing the post fight photographs that they like to do, and you know somebody's using the video camera on his phone to take a little shot of everybody in the team, and they just want to fight by knockout over Tai Tuivasa. Nary a smile to be seen. Everybody's just kind of stone-faced, all business, just being MMA Russians as fuck about the whole thing. So we appreciate it. Next question this week comes to us from the off-white Power Ranger who writes, So, see now, every time I see this guy's name, it does something crazy to my eyes. Roman Dolidze. Did I say that right? How do you say it, Ben? Dolidze? Dolidze. Uh, Roman Dolidze went out there and put a citizen's arrest on Jack Hermanson. Very impressive. But is it me or does that motherfucker look like Smiley from Do the Right Thing? Anyways, uh, what is next for him after beating the number eight on short notice? Brunson or Paulo Costa if his fight with Whitaker falls through? Now, previous to this, Ben, we had mostly known Roman Dolidze as the guy who was accused of having an affair with Cheyenne Bays, right? By JP Bays. Oh, I've forgotten that. That was this fella, Roman. Uh, but at this point, man, you go out there and you get the TKO win over Jack Hermanson. You are 12-1 and one overall with a unanimous decision loss to Trevin Giles in March of 2021 as the only blemish on your record. You got three straight performance of the night bonuses and wins over Lil Dacus, uh, Phil Hawes, and Jack Hermanson. This guy's going places. And the places he's going are above where he's at now. You know, I was really impressed by the finishing sequence here because, first of all, he gets taken down on one of like the only really good-looking takedown attempts that Jack Hermanson had in the fight. Some of his, his takedown in the fence or his takedown attempts in the first round were some straight garbage shit, just like barely changing levels and reaching from too far off. And you're like, what are you doing? What do you think you're going to do with that one? And then he finally gets a good one, really times it well, changes levels, takes him down. And immediately off his back, 
Roman Dolidze is going for that sweep, and then he's when he gets Jack Hermanson to start defending against the sweep, he's like, oh, you left your arm behind, though, bro. Left your arm in here. I'm going to start to attack that. Transitions to a sort of inverted triangle from there. And Jack Hermanson is doing all the right stuff. He, he's staying calm. He's defending well. He, he You know... He, the problem that is that he's moving so quickly from one thing to the next where it's like, okay, you're working on getting out of the triangle, now I'm going to attack your leg. Oh, you're, you're working on thinking about making sure you don't get caught in a heel hook or something. And then the next thing you know, he rolls up on you and just has your, your leg completely trapped on like a calf slicer kind of thing that keeps you belly down where he can just beat the hell out of you from behind. There's, and there's nothing you can do. You can't get out of there. And it's like, that was a really impressive sequence of stuff. And to think that it started with him getting taken down. Like, that was where Jack Hermanson fucked up, was by successfully taking him down. That's that's tough to deal with, man. Yeah. Uh, also, we're talking, Smiley is played by Roger Guinevere Smith. I had to look up which one Smiley was. It's been a while since I saw Do the Right Thing. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see the similarity. Well, hold on. Now I got to look. Yeah. Because you're right. It has been a while since I saw Do the Right Thing. Um Actor, writer, producer. Nah, yeah. I mean, similar beards. I guess is that what we're is that what we're doing here? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not totally sure what we're doing here. Next question this week from Carsa Olong, uh, some manner of fantasy, perhaps video game character. He writes from Jose Young's Twitter. Quote: Jonathan Pierce tells us he started throwing up in the cage after his fight because he was choking on Darren Elkins's blood. I have nothing to add. Discuss? Question mark. I did see this uh, when it floated across my own Twitter timeline as it happened, and I thought, first of all, that's that's TMI. Mm-hmm. Did not need to know that. Uh, but also, you know, you have these moments where you realize what kind of what kind of activity we're all engaged in here. Like not only doing it, but also watching it, enjoying it, having it serve as your entertainment. And then one guy was like, oh, oh, yeah, no, no. I started throwing up because the other guy's blood was was in my mouth and my throat. And then you're like, I need to see a therapist is what mm-hmm. you think. It's the first thing you think. You know, you want to hear my hot take on this? Get ready because it is scorching. Okay. It's, it's a scorching hot take. Yeah. Lay it on me. I'm going to say it to you like this. Oh, he took his glasses off. If you feel like you might be squeamish about another man's blood getting all over you, in your eyes, in your mouth, up your nose, whatever it is, why would you accept a fight with Darren Elkins? <laughs> you should know that from the word go. The moment yeah. you said yes to a fight with Darren Elkins, you said yes to being bathed in another man's blood. And that's yeah. the best case scenario. That's you winning the fight. It's also probably you losing the fight, though, too, because he'd been known to do that. He's going to start bleeding during the introductions, man. That's just a given. If you're not prepared for Darren Elkins' blood to be all over and possibly inside your body, don't accept the fight because that is what's going to happen. There's no way around it. Here endeth the take. You should probably be running your whole training camp like with Thursday afternoon, your team comes in and they just waterboard you with a pitcher full of blood. Yeah, it should be like the scene in Carrie where she's standing on stage just... We, you got to get comfortable with the the being showered in plasma. Yeah. Because that's what you're walking into one way or another. Yeah, that's just gross. 
that's just gross. All right, that's going to do it for listener mail this week. If you have a question, comment, or concern that you would like to air to the podcast in future weeks, you know how to do it. Go to the website, comainevent.com, and click the link in the top right-hand corner of the screen that says email the podcast. That'll get you in touch with us. As for right now, we are going to go ahead and get started with round number one. Well, Ben, just a damn good fight, frankly, here from Stephen the Wonder Man Thompson and Kevin Holland in the main event of ESPN. Uh, what is it? UFC on ESPN 40 or whatever they decide to call it. 42. UFC on ESPN 42. Uh, the soon-to-be 40-year-old Stephen Thompson walks away with the fourth-round TKO stoppage. Kevin Holland broke his hand uh, at some point during this fight, and from after that, it was somewhat academic. But, you know, these guys did exactly what I guess we expected from them. Round and round, largely striking-based fight. A lot of talking, as you will get from yeah. Kevin Holland. And they both, everybody got to do their stuff, I guess is how I would describe this one. And uh, a bit of a shame, I guess, around the injury to Kevin Holland, because it was kind of a back-and-forth, uh, closely contested affair, maybe until that happened. But, uh yeah, I guess he just, my main takeaway is that you got to feel good for Steven Thompson here. You do, especially because I saw a lot of people watching this one and tweeting live, like, look at Kevin Holland. He made Steven Thompson give us a fun ass fight. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things I was saying beforehand was that if you're not prepared for the way Steven Thompson fights and you don't have a plan for how you're going to deal with it, he can frustrate you sometimes. And sometimes in frustrating you, he can also frustrate the crowd a little bit. But here was one where Kevin Holland was like, you know what? I'm just kind of going to go right at this guy and we're going to get it on. And they did. And it was a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch. Even if afterwards there were several people, but I had to wonder myself, was that the smartest way for Kevin Holland to go about it? Because yeah. you think you're going to get in there and you're going to get yourself into a dogfight with Steven Thompson. And then maybe, especially Steven Thompson, gentleman of a certain age, maybe he's not up for it anymore. And it turns out, oh, he is. He's definitely up for it. Yeah. Uh, you just mentioned that Stephen Thompson can sometimes be a frustrating guy to either fight or watch. We got some emails this week from people who were saying that Kevin Holland can be a frustrating person to watch because uh, I guess as Michael Bisping put it near the end of this thing that like maybe a frustrating fight IQ or, or uh, lack thereof from Kevin Holland who did a number of things during this fight that tactically didn't seem like the smartest things to do among those kind of just standing up from top position on the ground and letting Steven Thompson get back up either because you, you felt like you, your striking game was going well on the feet or, you know, just to be nice to Steven Thompson. I don't quite know what was going on with that, but you know, we got several emails this week from people saying Steven Thompson is a bit of a frustrating guy to watch, or I'm sorry, Kevin Holland is a bit of a frustrating guy to watch. Yeah. I also feel like Kevin Holland Never necessarily promised us he was going to win them all, though, right? Like, he's that kind of a fighter. Yeah. And that, I feel, is one of the things that can get people excited about a Kevin Holland fight, a Kevin Holland main event. Turn around, put him in the main event here after we got ragdolled by Hamzat Chimeyev. And it's like, you don't do that because he's the win them all kind of guy. You do that because he brings a lot of excitement, personality, and he's fun to watch. And then he goes out there, he gives you a fight that's fun to watch. A fight in which, frankly, he took... 
an inhuman amount of punishment. Not only breaking his hand early on in the fight and continuing to go out there, but like just some of the 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 kicks that he absorbed both to the head and the body, you're thinking that ought to be it. That one ought to have ended this fight. And he's still in there, uh, still fighting. And finally, his corner has to be the ones to call it off. Like, that is kind of the the promise of Kevin Holland. And so to come around after that and be like, okay, that was fun as all hell, but it wasn't that smart on your part. Well, no. No, it was not. But then that's kind of, like, you can't love it when it works. Like when he's, you know, on his back against Jacques Array, uh, trying to talk shit and swing off his back and, and, and ends up doing some cool shit. You can't be really excited about it, like, when it's the unorthodox shit that works, but then shake your head at it when it doesn't work. Because yeah. he could have won that fight. He had opportunities to win the fight. Maybe if his hand doesn't break, it's a different fight. Like, it just seems to me like we're, we want to have it both ways sometimes where we want these fun ass fights, but then we want to criticize you for losing a fun ass fight. Yeah. Uh, you know how I know that Kevin Holland's hand was hurt pretty bad was the, they caught him showing it to Steven Thompson as the UFC was going to break after this fight was over. They like took the glove off and Kevin Holland shows the wonder man, his hand and the wonder man looks at it and is like, Oh shit. Or said the equivalent of whatever, whatever <laughs> oh shit is in Stephen Thompson's language. Jeepers. But like, yeah. Gosh, gosh darn it. Uh, that's how I knew it was like, oh, it's bad. And then Kevin Holland went and posted the, the picture of it where he's basically like, it's a balloon. And I would say he was not mistaken. That hand yeah. was, it was swole up pretty good. So uh, that's just another reminder of, again, the activity that we're watching here and, and uh, taking part in. Yeah, but you know. It was really a, a great performance from Stephen Thompson down the stretch as he, because he talked before, after this fight, I saw, I think he was on the MMA Hour today, and he was saying how part of his plan was to throw those kicks, uh, make Kevin Holland bring up that right arm to defend against those kicks and block them, and then see if you can just sort of deaden the right arm so it's not as useful to him anymore. And he landed it early on, you know, you could tell that it it hurt Stephen Thompson when it got through there, so it, there's there was some stank on it, but... Then when he knows he's got him hurt and he's just like mixing it up, he's kicking to the liver, he's kicking to the body there with that left guy. He's he's throwing his, you know, fun karate shit, kicking him to the head. And he sort of just got into a, a good zone there where he's managing the distance. You don't, you clearly don't have enough gas left in the tank to do a whole lot about it. And he's just sort of teeing off on you in the Stephen Thompson way, but always remaining like smart and disciplined about it and not giving you undue opportunities to get back in the fight yeah he snaps the two fight losing streak here had lost to gilbert burns and Bilal muhammad and now has this victory over kevin holland to get him to 17 6 and 1 as i said he turns 40 years old in february so uh mazel tov to stephen thompson kind of funny i guess to hear him get on the mic after this thing was over and basically be like just keep giving me strikers like i, yeah. I would rather get out here and just engage in a stand-up battle with some of my peers, which like I was saying before about Steven Thompson or about uh, Tai to Ivasa, the wonder man's fun, man. He can be frustrating at times, but he's a, he's a nice character to have around in this sport. And I got no problem. Just keep giving him guys that are going to drag exciting fights out of him. And, and uh, you know, as he said on the broadcast, he's going to do it until his dad tells him he can't do it anymore, uh, which is some classic wonder boy shit. Uh, so let's just, let's have him do it. Let's have him do it. Just keep giving him cool fights. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't see how you can go wrong there. You know how I love uh, 
some good corner advice also. Yeah. And I did enjoy it during this fight when Kevin Holland's corner man said, could you make this a, an MMA fight, please? <laughs> and he went, nah, nah, pretty much. So I'm nah. writing that one down in my book as, uh, you know, f- when I get to corner someone, ultimately, I will use that. I will use that as a, uh, put that in my toolbox. All yeah. right, let's, let's that's, do, that's, are you that's fucking perfect kidding me? That really fits in your wheelhouse. There it really too. does. It's my kind of corner advice. Yep. Uh, Ben, let's do, are you fucking kidding me? And then we'll move on to round number two. Ben, what's your, are you fucking kidding me this week? Which had a lot of people ask us in live chat last week. They wanted to talk about the, the shocking news that the liver King turns out, uh, was on the gear on the good, good. Yeah. Uh, we, none after, of us know what to believe anymore. The world after, is turned upside down news of that emerged and the proof of him basically sending an email and being like, here's the steroids I'm on. It's all of them. <laughs> then, you know, everybody had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and then I see people are posting on a link on Twitter to YouTube, but they're like, the liver King has posted an apology video. First couple times I saw it, I scrolled past it. Cause I was like, no, nah, I don't need to hear it. I feel like I pretty much know what, what's going on there. And then finally I saw it and I was like, okay, let me click this thing. I clicked this thing, Chad. And the dude is sitting there, just like he always is, with his big-ass beard, totally shirtless and absolutely jacked out of his fucking mind, being like, yes, I've taken steroids, yes, I'm on steroids, and yes, I, I lied about it. And I'm like, you didn't want to maybe put on a shirt for this one? <laughs> I would have gone with a tie. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, nice, three-in-hand. You're making your, your steroid apology video just looking like the goddamn Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, bro? You know what the subtext of that apology is? Please keep sending me money. That's what you're really saying <laughs> with that apology video. He also goes on at some point where how this whole thing for him was about helping men with their mental health. And I go, really? Is that what it's about? You sure you sure about that you sure about yeah. that that's why wow yeah uh i mean this whole this has helped me with my mental health the most recent <laughs> twists and turns of this story speaking Just of stuff don't even, don't even want to put on a sweater vest or something you can still yeah. show off the arms bro speaking of stuff you see on your timeline ben when i'm scrolling if i see a picture of nate diaz standing next to a big fuzzy lion mascot mm-hmm. And the headline says, Nate Diaz awarded key to the city of Stockton. Well, I'm clicking it. Yeah. I am clicking it and I'm watching it. And are you fucking kidding me? This is glorious. What do we, it seems like we brought Nate Diaz out to like a minor league basketball game in the city of Stockton. and it's a had G the, League game. Yeah. The, uh, the mayor of the city of Stockton, who looks like he's about 29. Uh, <laughs> hand over a plaque with the key to the city of Stockton to Nate Diaz. And then we give him the mic for some words. And we all know how that goes. You know what it's like giving Nate Diaz the mic. It's the same here. Shout out to Stockton. He's not going anywhere. Shout out to his family. Shout out to his team. Basically, thanks for the, to the, for the key to the city. I'm out. I could not help but reflect on that feature story that Brett Okamoto or was it Mark Raimondi who went down to Stockman Stockton was, to spend some? It was Raimondi, I believe. Yeah, remember that? Remember that story that Raimondi wrote that where he he dis, uh, described the fighter house across the street mm-hmm. from where Nate Diaz lives, and all I could think about is, 
Oh man, where where in the fighter house are they going to put that key to the city? Yeah, where's that going? Is that going the, on the wall by the Albert Einstein poster? There's somebody at the fighter house right now trying to figure out how you can smoke weed out of a key to the city. <laughs> you, you know what? They're probably going to figure it out eventually. Yeah, this is this is my content. Nate Diaz gets the key to the city of Stockton. That's my content. Hashtag will click. Are you fucking kidding me? me. Alright, that's gonna do it for round number one. We'll be right back. Round number two. Well, we thought we were going to get Glover Tashira versus Yuri Prohaska, but instead we get Magomad Ankalaev versus Jan Blahovic as your main event of UFC 282. No matter who shows up to fight, if you want to throw down on this one, you can always do it at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. This Saturday, new customers can bet just $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win, and you get $150 in free bets if they do. Yeah, right now, everyone can earn up to a 50% boost when you place a same-game parlay on UFC 282. And Chad, you know I love a parlay. Oh, I know you, you know do. that about me. And I've been looking at this UFC 282 card and I'm saying, you know what? You give me Jarzinho Rosenstrike, the biggie boy going up against a big Dawkus, Chris Dawkus, the other Dawkus. Mm-hmm. And then you also maybe give me DDP himself, Drykus Duplesis, who's taking on a, let's say a troubled and weary Darren Till. I mean, that's a two fight parlay that I really like a whole lot. And don't think I couldn't be talked into sprinkling a little patty pimblet on top of it. Just sprinkle it on, Chad. Yeah. Well, I, I like that you're adopting some of my gambling methods here with sprinkle a little bit on top, sprinkle just a big sprinkle. favorite on top just to sweeten the deal. Just a little sprinkle. That's all. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Download the app now. Use the promo code COMAINEVENT. Bet $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets. If you if they do, that's code COMAINEVENT this Saturday at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Well, Ben, we are down to... Four fights on your main card here at UFC 282 with the removal of Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. And obviously, we want to spend some time talking about the main event here, where, as I said, we thought we were going to get the rematch between Glover Tashira and Yuri Prohaska. Yuri Prohaska has since suffered the worst shoulder injury in the history of shoulders, according to the UFC. Uh, Glover Tashira wanted a little bit of extra time to get ready. Uh, to prepare for who was it, Ankalaev they wanted him to fight on short that's notice? Right. Yeah, I'd he take said, some hey, extra that's, time. It's a little bit of a different fight from what I had originally planned. How about two more weeks? And they said, nah, brah, you're out. If it was me personally, I would ask for a little extra time if I was going to have to fight Magomed Ankalaev. And then I would uh, book a flight to parts unknown and change my fucking identity because Magomed Ankalaev is a tough bastard. And now he rolls into this fight not even for the interim title, just for the vacant UFC light heavyweight championship against the former champ, Jan Blahovich. I have not looked at the odds. I have no idea who's uh, the favorite here. But what do you think about this matchup, Ben? It seems like we've been seems like we've been running a clock for a while 
on how long it was going to take Magomed Ankalaev to get to the title or get to a title opportunity. And now here we are. Yeah, it did seem like that, right? Like we were talking about like, well, it's just a matter of time until the path clears a little bit for him. I don't think we thought it was going to be this quickly, though. And because especially it seemed like we had a whole bunch of people all right there in the top of the title picture. And after that amazing fight that Yuri P and Glover had, it felt like, okay, maybe got to do this one again, brother. And then, you know, you got the Polish power waiting in the wings. You got a few other more established people. And it seemed like Magomed Ankalaev was still in that working his way up kind of phase. And then, as can happen in this game, things just sort of seem to fall his way when Yuri P's shoulder basically falls off his body, according to what we've been told, and then Glover commits the sin of asking for a little more time in order to get ready for a completely different fight on just a couple weeks' notice. Uh, You mentioned you haven't looked at the odds. I have looked at the odds, and I can tell you, Magomed Ankalaev going off is about a a 2.5-to-1 favorite right now. Yeah. That makes sense. But you can't discount the legendary Polish power. You absolutely cannot. People have made the mistake of discounting the legendary Polish power in the past, and you see how that's worked out. Not great. You know what? Before we get away from it, I want to mention how much I enjoyed the analogy that Glover Tashira made about the UFC, where he was like, you know that friend you have, or you can do a million things for them, and then the one time you refuse to do something or you're not willing to do something for that friend, suddenly you're the worst guy in the world. And then he was like, I'm not saying that's the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was, that was a great way to, do, to, to introduce that first and be like, I'm not going to say that about the UFC. Well, you kind of already it's did. It's dead, Glover. You kind of put the idea in our heads anyway. You're saying what we're all thinking, bud. Yeah, and you're not wrong, and you wouldn't be the first person to say that about the UFC. That is absolutely the way it is, where it was like, hey, you know, you were a champion, you had a great fight, we loved you then, you want to do that fight again? Yeah, absolutely, great, you're the greatest guy in the world to us. Oh, hey, we want to completely change up the program, and you you don't even say no, you say how about a little more time, and we move that fight to a different card. And basically, the reason they say absolutely not to that is because they don't have anything else on UFC 282 that could serve as a main event. I mean, you've got a strong undercard here. Don't get me wrong. But you don't have anything else. You know, it's not one of these two title fight kind of cards where we can just take one off, bump one up. No, it's the calendar says there's got to be a light heavyweight title fight on that date. And damn it, if we have to take two people who are not anywhere involved in the light heavyweight title picture at this time and put them in there and call it the light heavyweight title fight, that's what we're going to do. Because the calendar says light heavyweight title fight. On that day. That's all there is to it. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Glover should feel that way. Uh, And I don't blame him for for basically saying like, hey, I want to make sure that when I go in there to fight, I can give you a good fight. And then I'm not just showing up just because, you know, the boss told me to, which as a professional athlete ought to be a fair point. But also, damn it. Calendar says December 10th got a light heavyweight title fight on it. One way or another, it's going to have one. That's it. Magomed Ankalaev, uh, he's from the country of Dagestan. I don't know if MMA fans have ever heard of that place before, uh, but they they turn out some pretty okay fighters. Some pretty okay fighters come from the country of Dagestan. Magomed Ankalaev among them. He has not lost since March of 2018 when he got triangle choked by Paul Craig. It is his only professional loss. And hey, man, you get tapped by Paul Craig. Uh, that ain't nothing to hang your head about. That can happen. A lot of men. 
lot of men walking the earth who've been tapped by Paul Craig. After that, he runs off a string of victories that cannot easily be counted. Most recently, a second round TKO over Anthony Smith at UFC 277. Previous to that, a unanimous decision win over uh, Tiago Santos in March of 2022. And before that, a unanimous decision over the secret of the ooze, Vulcan Uzdemir at UFC 267. I don't know that it's much of a secret as to what Magomed Ankalaev is going to do. Yeah, you know, what, do you remember where I said he was from? Do you remember? Were you listening? Was it, uh, it was somewhere in the Caucasus range, I believe. Yeah, former Arizona state wrestler. <laughs> Magomed Ankalaev. No, he's yeah. not. He's from Dagestan. He's going to go out oh. there. He's going to throw them heavy leathers, put you up against the cage, and then try to take you down. That's what he's going to do. And the question may well be, is Jan Blahovich up for it? I mean, Jan Blahovich at this point is a is a savvy dog in the division, is he not? I mean, he's he's a tough guy. He's been around. He's seen some stuff. Uh, he surprised some people. It feels like maybe sometimes athletically he's not exactly blowing your mind, but he is a tough dude, and he's got the legendary Polish power. Craft for me a path to victory for Jan Blachowicz in this fight. Jan Blachowicz is a grinder. Okay. Jan Blachowicz out here grinding. Keep it on the feet. Push the pace. Be the guy who initiates the clinches. Try to stay off the ground. Try to stay out from underneath. Magomed Ankalaev, if you get there, get up. I'd, if I was his corner and he got taken down, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be shouting, get up. Get up, 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 up. Okay. That's what I'd be saying. Wear this kid out. This will be uh, Magomed Ankalaev's first real shot at the gold. Uh, and so get in there. See if you can be, just like you said, the old savvy dog. Believe Magomed Ankalaev's only gone five rounds one time, and it was against Tiago Santos uh, in March of this year. Push, push the pace, test the cardio. Mm. You do you. That's what I would say. Mm. I'd be outside the cage. I'd be shouting at Jan Blahovich. You do you. That's what I'd be shouting. Now, see, I would go a different direction personally, because the one thing that I don't feel like I want to rely on when I'm going into a fight with a guy from the region of Dagestan, as you pointed out, is my ability to wear him out okay. cardio wise <laughs> over point. the course of Fair five point. rounds. Um, I got to go fake glove touch. Punch him right on the chin. Yeah. Right off the well, bat. Well, I mean, in fairness, I do want to say that, as I said before, plan A was fly to an unknown location and change my name. Okay. Plan B is push the pace, see if you can wear him out. I go fake glove touch, try to land a cheap knockout. Uh, if that fails, I go salt in the eyes, groin kick, uh, and then see if we can get a sucker punch and get out of here early. You got to win this one in round one if you're Jan Blahovich. That's where you're going to win it. When, you're, when your arms are fresh, body's fresh, blast this kid right in the face with the legendary Polish power before he knows what's, that he's even in a fight. Because I'm telling you, if we hear, you know, round four, I don't feel like it's going to be great news for Jan Blachowicz. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see. It's one of the great things about this, uh, this sport and this conversation. They will have the fight on Saturday night. I feel like this is this is what Jan Blahovich does for a living. He's been doing this for a while, winning fights he's not supposed to win. And okay. so uh, that's a fair point. You know, I'm not going to count the guy out, two to one underdog or not. Okay, fair enough. Can't count out the legendary Polish power. 
All right, that is going to do it for round number two. We will be right back with round number three. Well, Ben, the insider betting scandal that has recently seized the career of James Krause appears to go on and on. Most recently this week, Derek Minner, who was the actual fighter at the center of this thing, was cut by the UFC. And in the wake of that, the UFC put out this statement saying anybody who continues to train or work with James Krause, including just going to his gym, could face a UFC ban as regulators continue to investigate this situation. Now, that's obviously very strong. That's not even just, we're not having James Krause around right now while we get all this sorted out. I don't even know. Maybe you can remind me, my brain, my memory, notably faulty. But I don't know if I can recall a situation where I've seen the UFC say, you can't train at this guy's gym. Don't go in the front door. If you want to continue being a UFC fighter, that is, my friend, as strongly worded a statement and a decree as I can recall. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the this thing that Hunter Campbell sent out, uh, Ariel Helwani posted it on his Twitter, uh, where basically sort of a, a follow-up, like, hey, remember that other thing we sent you guys a couple months back telling you to watch out about betting on any fights that you may be involved in, if I even betting on yourselves, uh, you know that a a business email is kind of heated when it begins as per my communication. <laughs> like, uh oh, he's heated. Yeah. Hunter Campbell is heated here. To all athletes and managers on October seventeenth, twenty twenty two, the UFC athlete conduct policy expressly po- prohibits UFC athletes from placing any wagers directly or through a third party on any UFC match, including placing wagers on themselves. These same prohibitions against wagering also apply to an athlete's coaches, managers, handlers, athletic trainers, and other individuals affiliated with the athletes or with the UFC. Now. This is where it seems to me to be especially thorny territory to get into because we know how this sport works. We, we know how the myriad informal uh, alliances and allegiances of MMA fighters develop uh, to form their own sort of support staff. And... It's a thing that the UFC has really benefited from a whole lot of times because the UFC is running the rare pro sport where you're making pro sport money, making pro sport money off TV deals, all kinds of stuff, and yet don't have to pay a single coach. You you shift that cost and, and that liability onto the athletes. They pay for all that stuff themselves, and they pay for it largely out of the money they make fighting for you guys, but like through these agreements that are sometimes handshake deals with nothing on paper and so to pin down who counts as somebody's coach a handler like what even is a handler that's a very vague and seems like intentionally like poorly defined term like basically just saying like make sure nobody close to you is betting on any of these fights and we know how this goes that a lot of times 
the way you're preparing for fights is just by like getting teammates in the gym to show up to sparring for you, telling them you'll give them a little money once you get paid from the fight, stuff like that. Uh, sometimes you got guys in there where it's like, you know, the the dude who is helping you put together a nutrition plan is just a guy who is a personal trainer who happens to also work out at the gym. You know, like a lot, especially for a lot of guys lower down, like guys kind of at the Derek Minter level, there's a whole lot of that kind of stuff going on where they were, they're relying on being able to, to cobble together this sort of like network of people to help them. And that network can sometimes be really big and it can also be really uh, vaguely defined what role that you're serving anybody and how are you supposed to make sure that nobody within that network is using any of the information that they get to profit off, uh, you know, a, a betting opportunity. Like that's really tough to do, and especially it's really tough to enforce. And this is one of the things that I've seen afterwards. Is uh, you know, I saw Aaron Bronstetter writing about it because, especially once we saw in Canada, the Ontario uh, people, what was it, the alcohol gambling, like they cannabis, they lumped just a whole bunch of vices in to one regulatory body in Ontario and Canada. Uh, and they were like, okay, we're taking a UFC stuff off of sports books. Alberta then late uh, after did the same and saying essentially we want, we need to see that the UFC can show us a better enforcement mechanism to make sure that they're doing these things. And yet I don't know how you do that because again, you're running into this thing that the UFC has benefited from where, Hey man, they're independent contractors. That's what you've been telling yourself, right? That like how they prepare for the fights and how they get ready and all that stuff. That's their business to figure out when they show up here to fight. That's when they're working for us. But the other times they're not our employees and therefore we don't have the employer responsibilities toward them. And then somebody shows up and says, basically show us that you have this control that would come with those employer responsibilities. Otherwise you're going to have a problem. And I don't know how you square those two things. Yeah. Well, one of the things that is still very much at issue here is exactly what we are investigating James Krause for having done, right? Like we know, I think we can say without, you know, having to hem around it too much that Derek Minner came into this fight with Shalianne Nordenbecka with a pre-existing injury and that he lost that fight fairly quickly. And we also know that James Krause, very publicly in recent months, has been running like a gambling service, essentially, through, you know, with a partner. They had a Discord message board. I believe they had a podcast. It sounded like they were doing a thing where they were basically like, hey, we're really good at gambling. Like, send us your money and we will, quote unquote, invest it in some bets, which is, hey, man, good work if you can get it uh, until you get to this stage. And one of the things we know for sure about the UFC is that they will put up with a lot of stuff but they won't put up with anything that they feel like is going to cost them money. You yeah. start fucking with the bottom line and the UFC is going to get heated immediately. But all that said, like, like I said before, I don't know that I can recall seeing a, a statement from the UFC saying, don't go in this MFers gym. We better find out. We better not find out you were training there, hanging out at the juice bar. Don't go there. Like pretty much that's, that's pretty heavy handed, man. And so well, it makes me wonder, like, what are we saying James Krause did here? Are we merely saying that he that he like used this insider information with Derek Minner, put it out on like either his podcast or the Discord message board, both of which I understand are no longer exist, uh, 
and and you know directed some betting away from Derek Minner, or is there something even larger that's going on here? Are we going to find out more shit? Is more bad shit going to come to light? Because this this ain't good. This is this is a this is a, as strongly worded a thing as I can recall. Yeah, doesn't it also feel like? Uh, if we are not trying to make James Krause a scapegoat, that we are at least trying to make a strong example. Yeah, him. yeah, very because, strong. Like this is because, as strong as the uh, the thing where we cut everyone at AKA. Right? Remember this way back in the day when uh, I believe it was John Fitch wasn't going to sign over his image rights in perpetuity to the UFC about some video game, and they basically were like, "We're done with AKA," essentially for like yeah. ten minutes until they figured out that that probably was a bad idea. Uh, yeah. this, Which this included is, heavyweight future heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez, among other people. Yeah, yeah. Like so, th- this is as this is as strong a response as I can remember since that. Yeah, and here's the thing from I found it from Aaron Bronsetter where he says the the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, the AGCO, uh, sent him a statement where it said the AGCO can confirm it has received the UFC statement of earlier today. At this time, we are not aware of any changes to the UFC's insider wagering policies, which are inconsistent with betting integrity standards for gaming operators in Ontario. The AGCO remains committed to working with Ontario's gaming industry um, and... Uh, to ensure the UFC has necessary betting integrity safeguards in place, in particular those relating to wagering by UFC insiders. And see, the thing is, like, I can see how you'd be like, okay, James Krause was operating this thing, which sort of directly flies in the face of what we've been telling people you can't do. Something weird happens. Everybody's looking around. We go, it was that guy. One guy did it. Bad Apple did it. So we're going to crack down super hard on that guy and say no one can have anything to do with that guy if you want to be fighting in the UFC. And, you know, that includes people like Brandon Moreno, you know, by the way. So I think that the attempt to really go down super hard on James Krause for this and put make him the face and the name associated with it sort of feels like you want people to believe that it could, like we had one bad guy, we rooted him out. We made an example out of him so harshly that nobody will ever try it again. When really it would seem to me like the concern of some of the integrity services stuff, which should maybe in the future be, how do you plan to make sure this doesn't happen again? When uh, the, what even constitutes a UFC insider is really, really poorly defined and hard for even the UFC to understand when you got guys all over the world operating their own camps and you don't it's not like you have any control over those people other than the fighters themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder if more is more shit going to come to light as this story continues to unfold. Anyway, though, let's do uh, just saying stuff and then we will get out of here for this week. Ben, uh, I'm sure you saw it. Everybody's talking about it. It seems Dustin Poirier uh, is in the hospital and has been there for a couple of days fighting a staph infection. Last I heard, uh, it seemed like they weren't having a ton of luck with uh, antibiotics for Dustin Poirier, which is which is bad news. He tweeted earlier uh, today, going on day two in the hospital, shit's getting serious. That was the last we have heard from Dustin Poirier. It sounds like he has a staph infection in his foot. So uh, not only this week am I just saying that we hope Dustin Poirier gets well and everything is is good with him, but also I guess I'm just saying, what world even is this, man? What even is this world where one of the well-liked good people in this sport 
Dustin Poirier has to have something like this befall him. That just seems unfair, and I don't like it. I'm just going to say that. I don't like it. You don't like it. You're not a fan of it. You don't like having Dustin Poirier in the hospital staff affection. Yeah, couldn't we find somebody else? Uh, Alexander Emelianenko? Couldn't he get the staph infection in his foot? Why has it got to be DP, man? See here, I thought you were just saying it was going to be first Michael Chandler sticks his hand in a guy's mouth, the next thing you know, the guy's hospitalized with a staph infection, just saying. Yeah, well, there's also that, some biological warfare here for Michael Chandler. But, uh, the guy blows his bloody nose all over your face, next thing you know, you're in the hospital and you can't respond to antibiotics. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, well, you said it, not me. <laughs> Well, Jed, my just saying this week, Michael Bisping is not pleased with at least what he saw on Twitter from MMAfighting.com. He ran uh, a tweet with a headline uh, linking to their article where it says, Michael Bisping criticizes Kevin Holland's UFC Orlando performance, quote, that was not high fight IQ. Michael Bisping quote tweets it, writes, wasn't a criticism, was an afterthought from a coach's perspective with the benefit of hindsight, but get your clickbait. Now, I'll read to you the direct quote that's included in the story from what Michael Bisping said after the fight, where uh, he says, I believe, talking about Kevin Holland's decision to just strike and not take advantage of uh, being on top position with Stephen Thompson a couple times, I believe he will regret that decision going forward, because that was his ego getting the better of him. This is not a popularity contest in terms of, oh, everyone thinks I'm a real badass guy. No, you come here to win a fight. This is high stakes. Do you want to be a champion? Do you want to earn a lot of money? Do you want to be known as one of the best fighters in the world or a guy who puts on a show and possibly gives away a victory? That was not high fight IQ. So, Chad, first of all, I'm just saying... That is absolutely a criticism. Now, if you didn't feel like you meant it mean-spirited, that's fine. You could call it a critique if you want. You can call it a take, whatever. But it is, by any conceivable definition of the word, it is a criticism you were offering of how the guy approached this fight. But I'm also, Chad, I'm just saying... Michael Bisping, this guy on there who, you know, makes his living now as a commentator, as a podcast guy, as a talking head uh, around UFC stuff... And then you're going to come out here and get mad at somebody who says you're criticizing somebody when you absolutely were, and you're going to accuse them of clickbait. I'm just saying, Chad, that is not very silly little guy of you, Michael Bisping. That's how you got to be if you're going to be in that position. You got to be willing to just be the silly little guy who says stuff. And then when people say that, how you said stuff, you go, hey, yeah, no, I I said that. I'm a silly little guy. Whatever. You can't be accusing people of clickbait when they write down what you said. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. All right, that's going to do it for this week's co-main event podcast. Uh, For most of you, we'll see you later this week over on the Patreon page. For some of you, the $20 patrons of the co-main event, we've got After Hours coming up as this show concludes. we got a lot more, frankly, to talk about about the UFC 282 main card, and we are going to get into that during After Hours. As for the rest of you, thanks for listening. For right now, we are done. We are through. We are out. So Ben, like I said, some of the rest of this UFC 282 main card, pretty juicy. Pretty juicy when you look at it. Uh, you got Patty Pimblett out here going to make another UFC appearance against Jared Gordon. Uh, Darren Till going to fight DDP. And uh, Bryce Mitchell going to return to fight Ilya Dupuri. So that ain't too shabby, man. That's, you know, for only, I got to say, let's just say off the top. Robbie Lawler and Santiago Ponzinibbio is a loss. We're going to miss that one being on the UFC 282 pay-per-view card. But the rest of this stuff, 
also pretty good.